0: Well, this is uh, number nine now of uh, Welfare in Warfare, and I want us to think about um, and really meditate on how we overcome fear. Um, there's no doubt about it that, that, that fear is one of the most uh, potentially uh, crippling things, um, not just in the lives of believers, but in the lives of, of, of all of us, and here's why. Um, essentially, uh, we are creatures of desire. That's what really drives us. That's what really gets us out of bed in the morning. That's what motivates us. Some of us are more dutiful than others. Um, that's true. Uh, motivated by things like duty. But all of us really are driven by desire. The things that, that, that we really want. When you really boil it down, the things that really make our hearts sing. You know, The things that really, um, really excite us. Um, and fear is really the, the flip side of desire. Desire is what you really want, really, really want. Fear is what you really don't want. It's the the thing that you most dread, the things that you most, you know, make you uh, turn away and, and run for your life, you know, it's, it's the th- the things that that, that that can really paralyze you. And so in that sense, actually, you could say that people are motivated by desire and fear if you really get to the bottom of the way we prioritize our lives the things we give ourselves to our time to our energies to the things we invest in you'll be able to find at the bottom of it desire and fear the things that we really want and the things that we really don't want and so when we come to think about uh, fear and how that can really hold us back in the area of uh, of our godly desires for example you, know, you might really want to glorify jesus by Um, telling other people uh, the good news but you might have really strong fear about how people might react to that and people might hate you and so therefore it can really it can really hinder you Um, you might uh, really want to grow in your confidence uh, in your relationship with God and knowing him better but you might really be afraid that actually if you know if you um, really drew near to God that actually you know he might reject you or he might judge you and you know and all of that so and those fears can hold you back you see so in the Christian life um, there can be there can be areas where we're just thinking gosh I'm really not happy with my sort of the, my development there my, my, my lack of growth there because of fears and I think you can really boil these fears down to two big fears and and, and the Bible will give us a teaching to help us see um, what's needed in order to see those fears defeated so the the first thing is what is what i would describe as this kind of um fear of fear of punishment is is probably the best way i can describe it that 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 somehow you know god really is against us actually says he's for us but really he's against us he's he's holy you know and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't really like us (laughs) <laughs> and um it really you know one day it's all going to become really clear that that is the case and the scriptures that we that we see here to help us here is from is from one John um, where it says that um it says uh, one John particularly particularly in in chapter four um, where we have very famous verses uh, where it says you know verse seven love is from God." Um, where we go verse 8 God is love Um, so we see these really strong kind of uh, ideas uh, coming through and then as we move down into this chapter um, verse 16 we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love we love because he first loved us and here really what's going on is that is that john is addressing the fact that if we're afraid and all about if we're afraid we live our lives locked up uh, we live our lives sort of dictated to by by kind of unhealthy fear of god unhealthy uh, sense that we're condemned, we're going to be judged. You know, uh, he's he's going to reject us. He's going to cast us off. You know, um, uh, we're not we're not kind of we'll never sort of match up in that sense. It will, it will end in judgment. What he said, he said, no, no, I want you to realize that God is love, uh, and, and 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 perfect love drives out fear. And it's interesting there that idea of of perfect love. Um, I guess we could think of that as. Um, as, as God's perfect love and I think that's totally legitimate but also if, as you read through the letter of John he talks about love being perfected in us the idea of, of coming to a place of a mature maturing in love as people that we, we we receive God's love in our hearts we're impacted by that we live in the good of that we delight and enjoy in that and we learn to live in love we learn to love God we learn to love others and in that perfecting maturing completing of that life of love fear is driven out um and so uh, it's a it's a wonderful idea it's uh, it's 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 perfect love mature love complete love really growing into the love of god and living out of that love of god in the way we treat others in the way that we relate to god letting that letting that shape us that's what drives out the fear we 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 flourish we become people who are not um, living in the prison of our own fears, not living in almost this kind of um, self-fulfilling prophecies, you know, about how it's all gonna go wrong. But we, you know, we take God at His word, we enjoy his love, we live in it, and we and we we love others. We we it's such a such an important thing here that we say, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at how God treats me in the gospel, and I'm gonna look to treat others like that. And in doing so, Actually, my fears will be driven out. Like the, the fears that grip me will be driven. Fear of um, you know, what's going to happen to me. I will see increasingly that, that my life is marked by love. It will begin to taste even like the life to come more and more. It will begin to take have that flavour about it. My confidence will grow as to when the Lord returns. We're just going to almost sort of step over the line. I'll be transformed. But we're going to just carry on doing what we're doing, which is living in love. Um, and so it's a really powerful thing, this idea of perfect love, receiving more and more in our hearts of God's perfect love. In Romans 5, it says that God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. It's a wonderful thing that it's not, this is a felt thing, it Is the Holy Spirit comes to reveal to us the affections of God, that God has warm and strong affections towards us and that all of the barriers um, have been moved out of the way through the gospel, so that now we are the fragrance of Christ to God. So when God looks at us, He smells Jesus. When God sees us, it's Jesus is is the is the aroma that comes into the into the nostrils of God. Because we are hidden in Him, we are righteous in Christ, and so we can enjoy the love of God not because we're good enough to, of our own merits or anything of the sort, but because Jesus is perfect, and we're in Jesus. We can draw near to God and just enjoy that love, that same love that Jesus experienced, you know, in his own um, earthly life. You know, that, that voice coming from heaven, you're my beloved son. We can enjoy something of that because we're in him and, um, and we've been adopted. We are, now, we are now sons of God. Jesus himself can refer to, 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 to the father as my father and your father. We've been adopted into the family in this extraordinary Salvation that we've received, and so living in the perf- living in God's perfect love, and seeing that whole cycle of love, that whole rhythm lifestyle of love, which means kind of growing in patience, growing in um, gentleness, uh, growing in um, forgiveness, and all of these things, reaching out to others, as we just learn to step into and move into that, we find fear driven out fear constantly being driven more and more to the margins of our lives even to the point where you know we find ourselves increasingly there's it has no mastery over us anymore and so living in the love of God and we love because he first loved so we we Jude says keep yourself in the love of God that's Jude 21 keep yourself in the love of God and so um we live in that place, meditating on that, feasting on that, and then living living and reflecting that out. And we increasingly uh, walk free from, uh, from, from those fears. So that's the first kind of fear. And then there's another kind of fear, what I would describe as the fear of man. Um, it's a different sort of fear. It's basically this, it's not so much about um, God punishing us or casting us out or, or that sort of thing. It's it's more much more to do with how are people going to respond to me? What if people reject me? What if people persecute me? What if people hate me? What if people make false accusations against me? All of these things that can go round and round our heads. And, and Jesus here gives us a different solution to this kind of fear. I guess the first kind of fear is more, more like the fear of God in a wrong sense, you know, when you just kind of decide God's going to God is going to punish and judge me and cast me aside. And he says, no, the answer to that is the love of God and learning to live in love and seeing that love perfected in and through you. Whereas here is a different kind of fear. It's a fear of man and it's a different solution. So um, in the context of being persecuted in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, so the context is persecution. and, And Jesus says, sparrows so the key line there is do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul i.e other people rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell and just to clear up a frequent misunderstanding there when jesus talks about one who can destroy both soul and body in hell he's not talking about the devil okay the devil doesn't destroy anyone in hell that's a myth that there's nothing in the bible to support that idea at all the devil is destroyed in hell, perpetually, eternally, um, uh, consciously destroyed in hell. He doesn't do any destroying. So this idea of hell being this place where the devil rules and the demons rule and they're sort of, sort of um, kind of torturing people. Um, that No, no, no. The lake of fire uh, is, is where the devil it, it was is prepared for the devil by God in his justice. It is God's just sentence on that deceiver that he will spend forever there. So when Jesus says here, don't fear people persecuting you, instead fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's not talking about the devil, he's talking about God. So, so here's the second point, the, the solution to the fear of man is the fear of God. That's just beautiful, if you bring these two things together, you say, what is the solution to fear per se, it's both the love of God and the fear of God, which is a, a really helpful, healthy, mature way of thinking about our relationship with God. Sometimes we only talk about the love of God to the point it can leave you with no sense of reverence, no sense of the fear of God, and you can find yourself in your heart, not honouring him, not, not being aware of, of who he is. It, Jesus is clear here, that God is the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell so from here we see hell is real hell is a real place hell is a real thing and hell isn't somewhere where God is absent again this is a frequently uh, misunderstood idea that you know that hell is separation from God I don't think the Bible teaches that the only scripture that possibly um, teaches that you'll find in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 where it talks about those who don't obey the gospel, verse nine, it says in the this is the ESV, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of His might. Okay, that's one way. Uh, that's one way of reading that. There. There's also another way of reading it. Um, so sometimes you get these little textual nuances where it could read that. It could read this. So it might not actually read they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. But this, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So that the eternal destruction comes from the presence of the Lord. And I think the fact that Scripture's uh, teaching that um, all of creation are under the Lordship of Christ, Um, uh, that there's nowhere where his presence isn't. Um, actually, gets our thinking straight on this: that hell is a place where He is present in His judgment, not in His grace. In His judgment, in His wrath, that's where He is meeting out eternal judgment. And so, when th- th- that then makes sense of this idea that God is the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so, what is Jesus doing here? Is basically Jesus is saying this. Here we go. Jesus is saying. Are you full of all sorts of little fears? Are you full of fear of persecution, fear of your boss, fear of your neighbour, fear of enemies, fear of attack? Are you full of all of these, all these kind of little fears flying around your head? Jesus is saying one big fear will drive out the little fears. Okay, one big fear will deal with all of those little fears. If you can learn to fear God, now we've got to explore what this what this means, because it can be taken in extremes. I guess one extreme could be that it's kind of like you're so terrified of God you never want to be near Him. Okay, it doesn't mean that. Clearly, it doesn't mean that. Um, but neither does it mean, oh, it's not really fear. You know, it's 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 kind of it's something. The word fear is used, but it's not really fear. Again, I think you're just playing playing with the Bible there. No, it is fear. It's it's fear. It's trembling, but it's what it, But it's also mixed with wonder. It's mixed with. It's like Psalm 2 says, um, you know, uh, rejoice with trembling, talking about our worship. There's a joy in it, but there's a, there's a, wow, I can't believe I can be in his presence. It says, kiss the sun. You know, there's affection, there's love, there's longing, there's desire. But there's also this trembling, like, how can I be in his presence? How can this be allowed? This is the eternal one. This is, this is the one who always has been and always will be, who, who, who created the entire universe uh, who with, with his words this th- this is the king of glory this is the one whose majesty is so weighty his presence is so pure you know oh my goodness my, that my whole being and consciousness are held together by his powerful word I would have no even uh, existence were it not for him he he formed me and he sustains me this he has all power um, he's utterly sovereign and you go gosh That's a really good fit. And if your mind and if your heart are filled with that reverence, it sets you free. Suddenly that person doesn't look so scary. Why? Because they're not omnipotent like the God that you worship. They don't have all power. They're not omnipresent. They're not in all places. They're not omniscient. They don't know all things. You know, they are severely um, limited compared to the God that you worship and, and, and and in whose hands you are held you see, and in whose hands you have held, and, and who has made you promises that he will be with you, and that even if you were uh, to, to, to die, that for you it would be merely falling asleep. You see, when these truths begin to penetrate you, when you begin to understand who he is, it just begins to straighten you out. It just, when you, you know, when you have a situation where you need to confront someone, or you need to say something, or you need to say no to someone, or you need to stand up for what you believe, it, it, suddenly that person's opinion just doesn't loom as large. Why? Well, because it, because of what you've now laid it, up, laid it alongside. You've laid it alongside him, the Lord, what he says about the situation, you know, and suddenly your perspective is completely different. It's a little bit like, I think it's most brilliantly personified perhaps in the story of David and Goliath where you've got this you know you've got King Saul we're told that King Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in in the nation. Um, Impressive man naturally but then suddenly Goliath comes along who's probably you know two or three heads and shoulders taller and, and everyone is utterly petrified and no one has any answers and this King Saul who looked so impressive previously on a human level, he's got nothing to say. Everyone's dismayed, everyone's trembling, everyone's uh, just living with a sense of defeat. Why? Because of this one man, you know. What can he do? After he's destroyed your body, nothing. But he might destroy your body. Um, So, you know, you've got this situation, but the the air is filled with fear, defeat, dismay. um, uh, And then suddenly David appears. Uh, David you know he's 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 not you know he's, he's he was overlooked wasn't he went uh, f- uh, a few years previously totally overlooked really by his by his family you know he's the youngest you know uh, number eight in the family number seven was considered uh, in, in biblical thinking as the number of perfection completion there's all sorts of interesting ideas here with David as number eight you know born out of time really uh, a bit extra an additional uh, non-essential, you know, it, it all paints this picture that naturally there's there's nothing particularly uh, commendable about him, but he knows God. David knows God. David has a real deep relationship with God, a spirit-empowered, anointed relationship with God. And when David arrives on the battle scene, the entire atmosphere changes. And because David starts saying things like, who is this Uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. You you find these mighty statements. You'll find these in the in one Samuel um, chapter chapter seventeen. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? It's wonderful, wonderful. The whole atmosphere changes. Why? Suddenly, someone is on the scene who is impressed with God. Someone is on the scene who has seen God. Work. Who knows God? Uh, the the Israelite army and Saul. You know they were God's people. They knew God. But suddenly someone's someone's appeared who's got to walk with God. He's got a deep walk with God. Who knows Him? And the whole atmosphere changes, and we know how the story goes. David utterly destroys uh, Goliath, and then and then and then the whole army rises up. You see, and and really in this story, David really is a picture to us. Of Jesus Christ, Jesus says to us, Don't fear those who once they've killed the body can do no more. He's prophesying also about himself. That's exactly, isn't it, what the rulers did to him arrested him, betrayed, arrested, executed. But what more could they do once they'd done that? Once they'd mocked him, once they'd cast dice for his clothes, once they'd nailed him to a cross, once they'd done that, what else could they do? Nothing, nothing at all. He completely powerless. Once they've done that, you see, Jesus is Jesus. Is, he's not just speaking his words. He's saying, I will show you how this works because God raised him from the dead three days later. And uh, now he is alive uh, forevermore with the power of an indestructible life. This is it. This is the answer. Jesus isn't just saying empty words. He's shown us it. He's modelled it. He's done this for us. And So brothers and sisters, if you're struggling with fear, let me urge and encourage you into the love of god and into the fear of god into both of these things let me encourage you to take the time in your inner life and uh, uh, to ponder and meditate on these things don't scrimp and scrape with your reading and your praying and your meditating make it central make it the hub of your life and your heart everything to flow out of that and then and then look to live in the consciousness of the presence of god and uh, and you will find the transforming power of the love of God being perfected through you and the fear of God, just that reverence, that sense of his greatness growing and growing in you, that you'll increasingly be walking free from fear and showing the world more and more what life in Christ is truly like. Amen.